talk about like the core stories that we have it's get out of your fucking way leah get it together and like get over yourself write a book and it's always so much easier for me to write stories come up with plots for other people like i could come up with like 10 plots tonight probably Young SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists, and your K-Romance guides. So grab some deck bokey and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, Megan. Hey. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing in this <laughs> week of craziness? So we are down Amy today, yeah. but we are down Amy for a very good and exciting reason, which yes. is... Amy's daughter, who is fantastic at musical theater, was cast in the role of Olaf, which we're all very proud of mm. here at the pod. And she, her school was selected to be the only school in the state of Illinois to perform like the Disney approved musical of Frozen. So this is basically going to be like her week and Amy's there holding it down, like, you know, being a theater mom for that, which is very valid yeah it's like so this is opening it it's like her broadway week but and and amy doesn't necessarily talk about um this a lot on the podcast but her daughter's voice is truly beautiful like her daughter can sing like an angel <laughs> so we're all Listen, you know who else? amy can sing like a freaking angel wait what amy's never yes amy it was like yes amy has a good voice and had a dream of being doing broadway as well how did i not know that she could sing she's never said what? that Let's bring that up at the next. She's singing. Uh, pod she's singing next time. You know what she's gonna sing? <laughs> Let's ask her to sing. Michael learns to rock. <laughs> oh my god! Um, and so, and I have to do a quick uh, before we get into it. Yeah. Um, so last last pod I mentioned, or actually not in one of the recent pods, I mentioned that my husband had thrown um, keys on the roof. Which was, you know, a whole thing where, you know, he wanted me to catch our car keys and in throwing them through them on the second story roof, which became a whole process to get. So this week he was like, my iPhone, my new iPhone 14 has broken. And he's like, what do I do? It's broken. And I was like, I mean, can like, I was like, I kind of just need you to handle this. Like, can you call the people and like, whatever? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And so he's like, I've worked through all the things. It's not working. Um, it has Apple Care. You know, I'm gonna have to figure out how to get to. We don't have an Apple store in town, unfortunately. So like, we're gonna have to like drive over the hill, which is our coastal mountains, and da 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 da. And he's like, I'm really busy. And I was like, Look, I can be like a good wife this time. Like, I can do this for you. I've got a little bit of time. I mean, I'm busy, but I will do this for you. And so he was like, kind of like, really? And like, really grateful. Like, this is really kind of you. I was like, yes, thank you. Like, feeling all warm for like being a giver. I drive to, you know, one of the first towns in Silicon Valley that is our closest Apple store. And I go in and I've got his little phone. And I go up to like the dude who's, you know, a fetus. <laughs> and with my like big 40 energy <laughs> and <laughs> big 40. he's like kind of like you know ma'am what seems to be the problem yeah. and I'm like well you know it's my husband's phone but he's saying it doesn't turn on so you know I'm not sure he just bought it whatever he's like all right let me take a look he takes the phone he hits the button the phone turns on now, had I checked myself? No, I had taken my husband's name, like word for it. Like, I'm not the tech person. If he says the phone doesn't work, the phone doesn't fucking work, right? The phone apparently worked 
just fine. I can't tell you what on earth happened. So I contacted Nick and was like, he's like, how did the phone, like, what, what was the verdict? I'm like, well, he turned it on and he hit the on button <laughs> and the on button apparently works. And it was like, what? And I'm like, I can't explain it. Can't explain it, but you know, that's fine. It's three hours of my day, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> All this to say, because he'll listen to this, because whenever I talk about him, I'll be like, listen to this on the podcast. Right. When he listened to me throwing the keys on the roof of the car or the roof of the car, the roof of the house. Mm -hmm. I also had mentioned that he was getting ready to ride his little electric bike to school with the girls. And I made a passing comment that was, he really enjoys oh, yeah, it. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they do. You did make that comment, yeah. And he was like, they enjoy it. <laughs> He's like, I take issue. Everyone enjoys it. <laughs> I want you, when they come home, to ask them if they enjoy it. Oh and I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I was kind of just being a little facetious. I'm right. like, did I hurt your feelings? He's like, no, my feelings weren't hurt. I'm like, I kind of feel like I hurt your feelings here. He's like, okay, I mean, yes, my feelings are hurt. So I had to apologize. And so I just, for the public record, want to say the entire family enjoys being biked. Okay. And is this an internal conflict or an <laughs> external conflict? That's my segue in. And I don't actually, let's unpack. Oh, let's unpack. Oh my God. Is Nick's feelings about me talking about the bike internal or external? I'm going to argue internal. I'm going to argue internal. <laughs> I'm going to argue that that is something within him that is a conflict of, of emotions. And we can unpack it. Yeah. yeah. We can unpack this as we go through. Ah, that's so funny. Um... So should we jump yeah. in and get into what we're talking about Let's today? Let's do it. I'm excited, actually. Really excited about this. We're, we're, we're being, we're really stepping into our author roles today. Yeah. So we decided this would be a good time to talk a little bit, like, very intentionally with, like, a writer's focus um, on dramas. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to jump in and then, Megan, let's just piggyback back and forth for the rest of the time. Yeah, what do you let's think? do it. Okay, so conflict is what we're talking about today. Like the little conflict I had a little while ago with my husband because of the bike. So conflict is also a necessary ingredient to any good story. So if trope is the butter, like the delicious fatty flavoring that makes everything awesome, conflict is the flour. Um, because without obstacles that block a character's way, they're going to easily reach their goal or they're just going to sit around the whole book or drama sipping an herbal infusion in a garden listening to a folk playlist on spotify <laughs> which isn't exactly like a riveting story in kurt vonnegut uh an author i quite like once said every story is about a character who gets into trouble and then tries to get out of it so as we write books or drama writers build the script, we're all making decisions on when, where, why, and how to build conflict to create that what happens next itch that's going to keep a reader saying, okay, one more chapter, or for a drama watcher to go, fine, one more episode, even if it's midnight in a work week. Mm -hmm. Or even if like I need to sign off uh, or I need to get off of Vicky to record this podcast and I'm having a very hard time pressing the pause button. <laughs> um that happened to me today so there are two main types of conflict internal and external so internal conflict refers to the inner struggle that affects a character's mental and emotional state external or conflict 
wait, external conflict refers to conflict between the main character and any external force, such as a villain, government, or nature. So if you haven't listened to the pod much, you might be aware that Leah and I actually tend to gravitate in kind of like opposite directions in terms of like what we prefer uh, for our conflict. So that doesn't mean we are like binary. Uh, Leah can love a healer parkour move and I can love summer strike. Um, But I think we can kind of each speak to why we tend to really like what we like. So, okay, we're talking about, like, external and internal conflict, which is pretty, you know, in some ways quite obvious what we're saying. But, you know, miscommunications can happen. So let's be really clear about what we're talking about. (laughs) So, um, you know, we'll just piggyback back and forth with these um, kind of explaining them. But to start off with external Mm -hmm. conflict, these are conflicts that put characters at odds with forces that are outside themselves. So these external forces block a character from achieving their goals and again creates that all-important tension, that itch that makes you want to know what happens next, that invests you in the story. And there's a couple of ways this can happen, and we're going to touch on three for today. So one is character versus character. So this is a conflict that happens because you put two people at odds with each other. They have opposite needs. So a K-drama example for this would be Lawless Lawyer, where we have Bong Sang Pil, who is a former gangster turned lawyer, love those. Um, And he's seeking to avenge his murdered mother and fight against those in his hometown who rule the city at the price of justice by resorting to his wits and his fists and the law. He uses the law to fight for justice against a corrupt judge, Cha Moon Suk, and her henchman, Anno Ju, who I have a foot thing with, um, is the villain who <laughs> killed his mother. So really, like a lot of this drama's conflict happens between Bong Sang Pil and Cha Moon Suk and Bong Sang Pil and Anno Ju. Mm-hmm. And then character versus society. So unlike character versus character, this type of conflict pits the protagonist against broader forces of society. What would be an example for this? Like, like, would it be like... I'm going to say Mr. Sunshine. Mm. Yeah, that's um, a good Because really a lot, I mean, and so a lot of, a lot of stories when they have conflict, it's not one kind of conflict. And we will talk about this later too. Like you're never right. going to have a story, a good True. story is not going to just be external conflict or internal conflict. And it's not going to just always be like against right. society or against nature. But, you know, it's going to have elements that mm-hmm. are really like driving that. And so in Mr. Sunshine, we see mm-hmm. that like all the characters, the main protagonists, what they're kind of like pitted against is this occupation of their homeland. Yeah, I would say that's, yeah, I would say that's a good, that's a good example. Um, and then we also have character versus nature. So in this type of conflict, characters are threatened or kept apart by a natural force. So example, happiness or all of us are dead. Because yes, we are going to consider zombies to be kind of like, well, it's like they're like a plague. It's a literal disease. disease. So they're a natural. You're right. You're right. So that's a natural force. All right. So Megan, in terms of external conflict in a story, what is it about like great external conflict that seems to hook you? So I kind of came at this question like two different ways. So I'm going to start with the first way. 
Um, and I'm going to say, first of all, my favorite external conflict is character versus nature. And I'm sure that's not really going to like surprise anyone um, who's like, listen to this podcast and it's not going to surprise Amy or Leah. Um, I love characters battling against what feels like inevitable and unstoppable forces. So like a tornado or some type of like, you know, earth or mother nature, you know, a plague or like a horde of zombies. So I think why is as much as I love rooting for like the demise of a well-written villain, like in the glory, I would say like, personally i get much more enjoyment out of rooting for the success of a character more like that's what appeals to me so i like when the antagonist is sort of like less tangible you know like less personal so like it's not about class or politics or race like zombies tornadoes and plagues don't care about any of that and so to me this type of external conflict like simplifies everything down to basic human nature like survival love um those like just like basic I guess, like instincts. Um, but obviously I say that, like we're going to get into this, but with a caveat that it has to be like paired with an internal conflict that complements this giant external conflict. Like a father who is on a plane overrun by convicts and is just trying to get home to his kid. And yes, this is a Con Air and Nick Cage <laughs> reference. Because, okay, okay. Yeah, because it's been a while. <laughs> Um, or a man who makes a promise to his dying friend to save like a snarky teenage girl in The Last of Us, or a man who sacrifices everything just to save his daughter on a train overrun by zombies like Train to Busan. And then obviously a teenage boy who turns into a hero when his school is overtaken by the undead because he just wants to save his first love and get her name tag like in All of Us Are Dead. So this is the thing, though. That... I, when it comes to romance, my favorite type of conflict is an external one that is preventing a couple from being together. And I feel like that's like, I want to say that, like, obviously, like, I'm always going to love a fun external conflict, but um, those often are like the ones I mentioned, romances are like side, side stories to that external conflict, like, even like happiness, um, the romance kind of ran parallel to that external conflict. You know, like they, it, like the reason they couldn't be together had nothing to do with like the zombies. Like that, that's not, do you know what I mean? So my favorite external conflict is one that's preventing a couple from being together. So a conflict that puts their goals at odds with each other. And I'll talk about this more later, but obviously the first K-drama I watched, Crash Landing on You, did this perfectly. And it's one of the main reasons I was so drawn to K-dramas is because the plot was the romance. Like, that was the plot because they gave it a perfect external romance that prevented them from being together. And that's my favorite. So I hope, I feel like when I was, like, thinking about external conflicts today, I was like, well, I there's almost, like, two different things that I like about them. You know what I mean? But yeah, I would say, I would say, like, my absolute favorite type of like show drama anything is where the romance is the plot but i need personally i would prefer there to be an external conflict that's again like crash landing on you yeah that makes sense and i think um a lot of crash landing on you is like um you know man or person versus society too to uh, you're right 
you're right. You know what? That's very true. Because there really isn't their their issue that on why they can't be together was wasn't a person. And no, I mean, it I guess was the Kim, Kim Jong Un is it his fault? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was the Kim uh, Dynasty of North Korea, the People's yeah. Republic of North Korea. Or, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so then let's take a look at internal conflict. And, yes. you know, there's a little bit less here to say what internal conflict is, like not as many examples. Right. Um, I think you can break it down really to this is character versus self. So it's that psychological struggle that takes place within a character caused by their own emotions, fears, conflicting desires, mental illness. Um, it could often be people getting in their own way. Um, it could yeah. be trauma inflicted. Um, but it tends to be a battle of reconciling opposing forces within the same individual. So often, like I would say that like in a good romance, it would be like the need to have love, mm. but also the need to feel safe and falling in love is very risky and you have to be very open and vulnerable to fall into like real love. Mm -hmm. So if you've had a history that has um, created a lot of damage and self-protection, that's not an easy ask. So an example I would like to use is it's okay to not be okay. So in this, we have the lead hero, Mungante. And you know what? I want to rewatch this drama. Like this was I kind of want to too. Cause it was a, I watched that really early. Right. I did too. And I mean, we liked it, but I feel like, I think it would hold up. I do. I agree. So um, he's a health worker at a psychiatric hospital. He doesn't believe in love and his stated reason to kind of keep going in this bitter hard slog of life is that he has the responsibility to look after his older autistic brother. Then we have Comunio, who is a successful children's book author of dark, <laughs> dark, like Edward Gorey type of uh, children's stories, who suffer suffers from antisocial personality disorder and has never experienced love. Mm -hmm. Both of them have a very traumatic past that prevents them from being really fully present and integrated in the now. Um, but together, and despite how different they are, they begin this journey of healing themselves and each other. Yeah. And I think I'm always just attracted to the ways that we get in our own, the ways that we get into our own way. I feel like it's just very human and we all do it to some degree. Plus, we all have hurts and we all have pains and we all have shame and we all have things that we may not like about ourselves that become like the stories we tell about ourselves. And so I think it becomes really humanizing to see stories. I'm always attracted to stories where people like have to do the work to kind of like heal through that to become like a more whole and complete and happy and healthy person. I just, I find it to be relatable and there's always like an aspect or like some sort of like aha gleaning I can like walk away from that makes me think about um, like the human condition. And I think I'm like empathy driven. And so yeah. I guess those stories like emotionally connect me like in the that like empathy center where like I start to put myself like emotionally into the into those characters and like kind of like you know it's a way to work out your own stuff but it's also just a way to like process feelings in general so I think that's kind of what's going on for me that like is one of the reasons I really like it 
I just want to say, if you wish upon me, uh, Ji Chong Wook's character, his whole arc is internal conflict. I mean, he does it. He, his like um, learning what love is, uh, finding like a found family, um, all of that is his journey to realizing that he's worthy of love. Um, so that's, yeah, obviously there's, there's a whole lot going on in that drama, <laughs> mm-hmm. but if you're boiling it down to like his character, that's, that, that's all like his internal conflict, which was done really well. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've so, I mean, I do need to watch that drama. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really good. Um, so, okay. When you write a book yourself, yeah. do you tend to start with a character or with a plot? So I do, I do start with plot, I would say. Um, I would, I, I would say like nine times out of 10. Like, I think that every book can often be, um, that's one thing about being a writer is like, <laughs> every book still gives you its own challenges and every book is still different. Um, but I would say I almost, all, I write romance. And so those are, and that really is how my brain works. So I'm always thinking of like kind of romance plots. Um, and I almost always get this story idea that has to do with a meet cute. So it's always like the first meeting. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I love K-drama meet cutes. It's one of my absolute favorite things that K-dramas do uh, because it's just my thing. So I will say, you know, my first thought is there's this like meet cute and, but tied into that is obviously like, well, who are they? What are their goals? What, you know, what's their conflict? Um, and ultimately like, why can't they be together? I think I've, I know I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but one publisher I was with, um, whenever you would present a story idea to them, they would always say, why can't this couple be together? Like, basically don't give me a, don't give me a book idea (laughs) unless you can give me the conflict on why this couple can't be together. Cause that's like the point of, you know, a romance novel. You got to give them a conflict. Mm -hmm. So. And I'm going to say that for me, I, nine times out of 10, not every time, but nine times out of 10, I will start with a character. Yeah. That's not surprising to me. I have characters that I haven't written about that like sit with me daily. Um, that like, you know, just don't have their story yet. And like, maybe you don't love that they don't have their story yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But they're kind of like, you know, Hey, like, don't forget, like, remember I'm a good character and I've got still here to do <laughs> like come on like put down bts and like come to me <laughs> um but yeah I think that that tends to always be my challenge is I get characters and I'll be like okay and I like let them simmer usually over like a while and I start to like get to know them better and better and then I'll be like, oh yeah. Like, it's like that thing of like, you can't just sit in the garden and drink your tea. Like, what am I going to do with you? And mm-hmm. then I get like a scenario. And what's really funny and interesting for me is that when I have to plot a book for someone else, I go straight to plot. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know what psychological thing that is because I have to plot books for my job. Like, cause I have a yeah. side business, like doing book production. And I really just like plot, 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 plot. But when it comes to me, I'm like, here's my characters. We're going to hang out and we're going to figure this out together. Do do you think it's just because maybe you like feel less ownership then of like 
Do you know what I'm saying? I think, you know, when we talk about like the core stories that we have, it's like, get out of your fucking way, Leah, and like get yeah. it together and like get over yourself and like yeah. write a book. And it's always so much easier for me to write stories for other people, like come up with plots for other people. Like I could come up with like 10 plots tonight, probably. But then if you were like, okay, Leah, it's time to write your book, I'm like, oh, but it's got to be like really good. Oh my gosh. See, I have, you know, I have the same issue. I would say when I started my pen name, I definitely. Ah, that definitely released like a little bit of a mental block for me. And I don't know why. It's just a name. It's just no. a name. It's still me. Um, what's interesting too is, you know, um, by the time this podcast comes out, my interview with um, Adam and RJ from Boys Love Boys Planet will come out. But we talked a little bit on there kind of about, you know, once you release your art, it's open to interpretation and it's really no longer yours and no longer yours. And I do feel that way as an author, but I would say when I first started writing, I didn't feel that way. I was like, I would say like, this book is my baby, blah, 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 blah. And I've really had to kind of distance myself from that and be like, okay, I wrote this book. Like I did the best I could, but now it's no longer mine. Um, and if people want to, interpret things a certain way that's like totally up to them you know and that's they're allowed to bring in their own experiences to uh read through like they're 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 able to put on whatever lens or not put on but you know some people can't remove the, yeah. you know their their lens that they see art through and that's okay so here's what i find funny too is i i really do feel like i understand and i've integrated that and I don't have a sense that it's like me being like, I don't want to turn this into like my writing therapy. Time. No, it's okay. Well, I mean, it I don't think it's like a, it don't feel like it's like my baby and I can't let my baby go. Right. And I wasn't and, saying that you did. No, no, no. I'm just saying I, I fully know, but yeah. it's like a lot of people will. So many people do think that. And they're like, yeah. if somebody doesn't like it, they're like, oh my God, like you didn't like my baby. Yeah. You I didn't like my baby. You yeah. called my baby ugly. Yeah, you call my baby ugly. I mean, like, of course, like, there can be ouches, but, like, I do feel relatively okay. Like, I don't lay in bed at night just thinking, like, you know, I, I like myself and I'm fairly secure. Mm -hmm. I think it's more that um, I've taken such a break from doing my own book production um, now in, like, real, in uh, commercial fiction years. Like, maybe not, like, literary fiction years, but, like, you know, right. it's been, like, five years. I've written almost a book a year since then as, like, a ghostwriter and doing, like, I've written, I think, even, like, two books a year off. Yeah. So it's not like I'm not writing, but um, to be putting something out under my own name and or pen name. And so now I'm, like, what do I want to, like, if I'm going to put this under the lens of a comeback, what am I wanting to say and totally what get it. out there? And because I think it becomes like, what am I setting the foundation for? Should I just write something that like, just get one of my stories out and be like, there, I just did it. Or am I trying to set myself up intentionally to be like, here's a direction that I want to like be pushing for a while. Yeah, I totally and I like a it. lot of things because I have ADHD. And so I'll be like, right. oh, I really like, like really high concept wild bdsm but then i really like like slice of life like very like emotional <laughs> like you know people like being in like you know more of like a our blues or reply 1988 so yeah you know it's like, no i get it something yeah it's hard it's hard you know and 
I mean, I felt the same way too, because I'm like, well, also, like I do, like I, and I do feel that way. Like I do feel a responsibility of what I'm putting out into the world. I feel like I can't remove that. Like I know I write alien romance, but I still try to, like, there's, it's still humanity. Like I'm still writing about love stories. I still, um, you know, I don't want like homophobia and like racism in my books. Like I still like obviously mm-hmm. want to put forth what I want to put forth, and it, and it is hard. And people will. You know, I've, I had a reader, I kind of got a little risky with like one of my books and she wrote me and was like, I didn't like it. And I don't think that your alien species would act this way. And I just hope you don't write another one like this. And you know what? She was entitled. I go, okay. 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 Like you're totally entitled. And thank you for feeling an ownership of my, actually of my art. Like I appreciate that you do. And I appreciate that you like had strong feelings about it. And I wasn't, like, mad at all. I've actually thought about it a lot. That she, that probably was really brave of her, too. Like, she she mm-hmm. cared. And it also, like, she cared that much to be like, I like your books. And this kind of upset me because I didn't enjoy this one as much as others. And that was okay. So, you never know. Yeah, it is okay. And it always fascinates me when somebody decides that they want to, like, share yeah. <laughs> with a creator. Like, and I'm always like, okay, well, that was. I know. I know the amount um, of things sometimes people say, but anyway, the amount of things people say, I know, but no, I did. I mean, I was hurt more, obviously. I think you were too, like, as we started, Oh my like, gosh, I remember yes. like before I, like when our first books were coming out and it was like, Oh my God. And like, I had like some really lovely things people were saying about my book and being really cool. And then there was this like one person I saw reading my book. Cause that used to be, I, I mean, I used to like look at Goodreads all the time and you mm-hmm. could see like who was reading your stuff. And I remember there was this one blog that, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I wonder what she's going to say. Oh, like, I'm so excited. She, well, I'm scared and yeah. excited she's reading. Yeah. And she was such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> they and are. then what happened was that, like, he was mean about it. Like, kind of, like, whatever. It was, like, a little meaner than it. Like, you know, like, you can dislike yeah. it. But she was, like, the thing that felt like it got a little bit out of hand was that for the next six months she would tag me in that review on Twitter (gasps) like every four days. You're like, lady, I saw it. (laughs) I was like, homie, got it. And I I... never commented. I'm like, are you waiting for me to like lose my mind and we can like have a situation? But I was just like, dude, I get it. And so I feel like once I got through that, I'm like, eh, nothing, nothing's going to bother me. Oh anymore. man. I remember when I first, my first book, I think I would get upset if someone was like, I like it instead of saying, I love it. And it was amazing. If they were just like, yeah, I liked it. I took, I was like devastated. I'm telling you, I couldn't handle, I couldn't handle an ounce of criticism. And now I have people flat out emailing me being like, I don't like your book. And I'm like, okay. It's yeah. like, I mean, it's, it's good. See, this is growth and this is it's very maturity. Good. It is maturity. And now my next step in maturity is just going to be to get over myself and just start to do. I, That's I, what I would tell myself. Yeah. You're such a lovely writer. And I do think like, you and I do also have very different like writing styles mm-hmm. and um, cause I do think obviously like um, your off the map series did have external conflicts. Like it, it did. Not really though. I was thinking well, about, no, it didn't. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I Not thought really. it did. Not really. But, um, your internal conflict was so good in that. And you do write it so well. I do think you write internal. Like, I think I can come up, 
with like a whole plot no problem but sometimes i do still like struggle a little bit with like the internal like uh strugglings of a i struggle with the internal strugglings um (laughs) of a character i truly i truly do i i think that that is one of my i would say like when i write like the plot's kind of fine what i find i have to do in edits is like sprinkle in more of that like character angst more of you know what they're struggling with internally um that kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. yeah look and i thought this was why i thought it would be fun to have this conversation because again nobody's either or and no No. books are really either or no and we're gonna get into that later yeah but um but yeah like we tend to grab it like we tend to have like a strength right absolutely and i think yeah i think all writers have strengths and i would say like yours is internal and i would say like sure i can bang out a plot like no problem but no one cares about a plot if you don't have uh characters to drive it you know yeah so that being said um we also took this question to our patreon to -hmm. just get a sense of like kind of where they were coming from in terms of being you know pretty seasoned K-drama watchers. And I was like, you know, do you feel like you are more aligned with story or characters? And again, don't add us. Like, this isn't either or. We're not telling you you can't like characters if you like a heavy, like, you know, heavy action or vice versa. So um, I can go through and read some of these. Megan, I don't know if you have the Patreon open or not, but I'm happy. I do. Okay, And I really loved, I read through the answers earlier and I really like it because there were, um, a nice uh there's a nice variety of answers yeah so i'm just gonna like popcorn out just a few and i might only read part of a comment too um so i'm gonna go with uh kw and this is somebody who is like you know i've been analyzing like why i can't get into uber popular slice of life dramas like reply 1988 and i realized that the lack of a strong plot is the reason and that makes me sad because I want to feel all the feels too. <laughs> oh, I know. And look, I feel that. And then th- this is what's funny too, is then we have another response from Luann and she says, it's a bit of both. And my number one favorite drama is Reply 1988, which is obviously character driven. Um, and then she says, I am willing to overlook some plot holes in exchange for a great story. Look, so am I. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. We have Hannah says neither. I like atmosphere and dialogue. I will forgive character inconsistency and plot holes if I like the experience of watching. The vibe of it. The aesthetic. I love that. You that love the vibe. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and she goes, <laughs> thanks for the question. I fi- It finally explains why I dropped romance as a bonus book when I couldn't stand to watch the leads bangs for 16 episodes. <laughs> she's like it's giving me not a mood (laughs) i I mean i will tell you i started um true to love the the you and uh drama Mm -hmm. which i am i am really enjoying but it's as of as of now i've only seen four episodes and i will tell you the lead male his hair is driving me crazy it's like a it's like a i mean i understand he's i don't think he's supposed to be a guy that really takes care of his hair but it's like kind of a frizzyish perm and look i watched rain to shine or rain to shine rain or shine, rain or shine yes with juno's like 
bad frizzy orange hair and i could even deal with that but like the lead in this i don't know what is going on they did have a moment where he like styled it properly and then i was much happier but um all right i'm gonna do a couple other i'll do two because yeah. there's like two funny ones um yeah. so one uh from easy was sometimes dramas feel like they're drowning in plot but good characters help you float i'm Aww. like oh my god put that in like a craft book. heck heck yeah we're Heck stealing. Yeah. Okay, okay, but this is this is my favorite comment from Melanie. Okay, yeah, yeah, do that one. <laughs> on a scale of run-on to action movie, I'm definitely more on the plot end. <laughs> Which we all know run-on has, like, no plot. Uh, that was, you know, the best, the best comment. We all like that one a lot. Um, okay, and then we have, uh, I mean, that was really funny. I know. Um so yeah i mean there seems to be a lot of votes for character which makes me surprised mm -hmm. um but here's one from kathy which is you know i want both which you know mm -hmm. kathy wig of the finger because we all want both mm -hmm. <laughs> i say that with love though mm -hmm. um she says i love a wounded character with conflicting emotions who needs to overcome the challenges in the plot but in this okay here she goes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. In the spirit of playing fair, way to go. I'll take a story that emphasizes character over plot because I want to feel all the feels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but once we get down a little bit further, um, I see uh, a couple votes to plot because um, like we have Gavin who says, I'm finding myself more drawn to plot driven dramas these days. And here's an important point, especially when binging shows, watching a character slowly develop over time isn't the most compelling for me when I'm trying to watch one episode right after the other. So mm. that's why Lori and Alchemy of Souls worked so much for me because they had great developed characters, but the fast pace of the plot is what got me to continually watch. When I'm watching I agree. Week to week, a character-driven story can be nice. That's a good point. I actually mm -hmm. do really agree with that. If it's a slower drama, and we've actually, I think we've talked about that before, that like some shows are good to binge and those are always going to be those like plot driven stories. Um, and sometimes there are stories that I like, I think I would like this better if I didn't have to binge. I would say even um, again, the, the drama I just started true to love. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I'm enjoying kind of watching it a little bit at a time. Cause I don't feel like it's super, it's not plot heavy. I mean, there's like a lot of conversations that she's crying in bed a lot and it's fine. I like it, but I also don't feel the need to like binge, binge, binge. I'm not compelled, you know? Yeah, totally. All right. So let's just do a couple, like, you know, just for folks listening, let's just do like some lists quick. So yep. how about, what are some dramas that you think do great external conflict? Okay. And so for this one, this is kind of where I talk about a little bit. Um, I'm going to choose, I'm going to say first ones that have great, a great external conflict that directly affects the romance. So like the plot is the romance with this like external plot, keeping the couple apart. So obviously that would be like crash landing on you. That would be color rush, uh, which is a Korean BL. Oh my gosh. Where there's, you know, in the world there's monos, right? Monos and probes. It was monos, wasn't it? Yes. 
And so the mono, in order to see color, he has to find his like one probe, like a soulmate. Okay. But sometimes he can be so addicted to that probe that he like goes crazy and could possibly kill the probe. So he finds his probe and he can see color, but he's worried about then going mad and killing his probe. So it's like that perfect external conflict of why the couple can't be together and why I love it so much is because there's no like, I don't like, again, I love internal struggles, but I don't always love when the entire plot of a show kind of is like, well, I just, you know, I don't know how to give and receive love. Like I need more. And sometimes I just want like, yeah, just like give me something good. That's like driving those characters apart and make them kind of like, I love when I love when a couple, it's like them against the world. That's always um, kind of some of my favorites. Um, and then I'm not a robot, obviously fantastic external conflict of why the couple can't be together. Basically she can't tell him who she is. Well, she can't tell him. <laughs> so I sound crazy. She can't tell him she's human because it might kill him. So she can't be with him because he thinks she's a robot. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with that with that conflict? Who wrote that? It's great. It's great. Um, so yeah, these are so those are examples of dramas that had that like great external conflict directly affecting the romance, which is different from say happiness, like I mentioned before, where there isn't like a big external romance conflict all of us are dead is kind of the same way they're just teenagers they don't realize they like each other you know but the backdrop and then they're like fighting against zombies while they're like learning that they actually do like each other um so like in that one the conflict is like outside of the romance and the couple is developing their relationship parallel to the conflict rather than intersecting i don't know if i'm getting too like in the weeds about it but i just really feel like there's like a distinction there that matters to me mm -hmm. um and i like both i mean i would say like a drama like happiness is going to entertain me where a drama like crash landing on you or i am not a robot like tears my heart out and i feel like that's always where to me i think that's what takes like a great drama or a good drama to great and puts it in like my top five you know yeah totally absolutely all right, now internal. So what do we think? Well, the, this is like your specialty. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't put down that many, but I wanted to touch on some that I thought like did it well. Yeah. So um, one that we haven't done for the pod that I really think that you both would enjoy is Be Melodramatic. I know. I do want to see it really bad. I found it really emotionally affecting and it follows um, a group of friends uh, one is a drama director, one is a drama writer, um, and it, I feel as if each of them is kind of, like, going through, like, their own, like, mini crises, honestly, because that's why it's internal conflict, but yeah. they all are interesting, but I think what's good is that since it's not just one, and I often feel like really good internal, um, conflict stories do this, is, um, it's not just focusing on one main couple. You get right. to break it up because I think the story can start to feel a little tedious sometimes when it's just two, like in the weeds. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm going to say, I don't feel like it was in my mister, which look, I'm going to say, I got a bone about my mister to pick with listeners. 
Okay. <laughs> and it's that we have gotten a reputation as a pod for not liking my mister. <laughs> and it's just me. And, and I'm annoyed by it because look, you didn't like it and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Amy didn't really like it that much. But, but you liked, did. But I liked it. I liked and you it. spent about an hour defending it. I just said, I, li- I mean, I'm not going to say it was my top five favorite dramas, but I right. didn't dislike it. And so the fact that, like, we have so many people at us about, like, not liking Mr. I'm always like, hello. Like, I was there yeah. watching it and I did enjoy it. Yeah, it's um, me. It's me. You direct <laughs> direct your anger at me. No, but I just, like, I'm always yeah. like, ah. It's, I'm, yeah. like, you know, everyone has their take on that. Um, but that was, mo- I mean, there are side stories there, too, honestly. But, like, primarily, like, that main um, duo you know drove most of that yeah and um, his struggle was like about filial piety clearly that was like him it was like in you know it was his internal his struggle i guess uh in his relationship with his wife all of that um and then okay i'm gonna pivot back over to reply 1988 which has come up a few times so there's three there's reply 1997 reply 1994 and reply 1988 and so again these are mostly um you know look there's little external conflicts here of like you know siblings fighting or stuff like that but i mean like there is it's a lot of internal and again it holds up well because you're dealing with a whole cast you're dealing with like five five young adults kind of coming of age plus all their parental units so Mm -hmm. i feel like to me even if like there's not like big like it's not like they're all like trying to like save their alley from the developer who's coming to take it away from them you know it's kind of just like how am i going to confess i have a crush on this girl or how am i going to like get the approval of my father or how am i going to get out of this like debt i got into by helping a friend Mm -hmm. um there's so many little stories that all kind of like how do i relate to my son when i'm not very good at communicating emotion text at hashtag papa bear yeah so i mean like yeah they're just there's so many stories i feel like it can kind of just carry it um me saying again another drama that look i don't honestly i can't i don't push it hard for you to watch because i honestly have no idea if you'll like it or not um and i sometimes want to watch it again to be like I always say it's in my top three, but like it's the only one in my top three I haven't rewatched. So I'm like, I kind of need to rewatch it and just see mm-hmm. if I still love it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. But it's about that like all men lead lives of quiet desperation and kind of like where there's like a beauty in that and like growth. And then, okay, the controversial one is Run On. <laughs> you had suggested we watched Run On. Yeah, I, remember, I liked it. Yeah, you did. And I remember Amy messaging me like, are you watching Run On? I'm like, oh, I'm just starting. She's like, I am not feeling yeah, Amy, like it at all. And so I started watching it and I'm like, oh, ma. oh no, 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 I don't really like this at all. Like this is like really slow for me. And then one day I just hit this like idea. I'm like, what if I, I mean, I live in California, hashtag legal. Mm-hmm. What if I took like a low dose edible? I watched run on what would happen <laughs> changed the game right because like so- i have a very monkey brain my brain yeah. is always swinging from the rafters on like multiple things so sometimes when a drama gets extra quiet my brain especially when i have to binge like gavin was saying my brain's like blah, 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 like i can't do this 
you know, I took a low dose edible. My brain was like, okay. Oh, your brain like focus. I get it. I'm taking a little bit of a moment. I could focus. Mm -hmm. The whole drama came together for me and I really enjoyed it. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, I liked it, but I can't tell you what happened. Right. You know, um, I don't really know. It was definitely. I mean, there was like a Nuna love affair. There was a, it it was about people getting out of your own was good in it. I, okay. It's about getting out of your own way. That's what run on was about. It is. Get out of your own way. Yeah, I agree. And more, I mean, at me and what else, but okay. Here's the thing. The whole time we've been doing this drama, I have a confession to make because I've been paying attention to this podcast. But in the background of doing this podcast, Mm -hmm. tonight is the very first night of D-Day, the August D, Suga Minyugi concert. Mm -hmm. And somebody's recording it, and I've just had it on in the background. Mm -hmm. We are at the point of the K-pop wreck of the week. (laughs) I am going to put forward that Minyugi, the man of the hour, is our K-pop record of the week this uh-huh. week. Yeah. And I have Duh. a reason to behind it besides like my own personal insanity here. And that is we're talking about internal external conflict. He has dropped in the last, you know, little while two music videos. One is the song Hegem and the other is the song Amygdala, which, you know, is like our trauma processing part of our brain. So I thought it would be a really cool thing to just quickly touch on two recommendations because this is my podcast (laughs) and this is my guy. And um, yeah, we're doing it. And it's, you know, I think a good example of external conflict and then internal conflict. I was just going to say, as soon as you said it, I was like, wait a minute, we can tie this whole thing in the podcast. Yeah. Yes. So Hegem mm-hmm. um, is very much, you know, like if you watch, if you really want to do it right, watch, there's three music videos to watch. You first watch Detwita, you won't be sad. I mean, these are cinematic, like truly cinematic videos, right? Like even you, yeah, like, they you, are. you know, like you can attest to this. These are really cool. Oh, I was riveted. So watch Detwita, but okay. Hegem is set in like gangster, sweaty you know we start this off with like you know it's all about like getting my money (laughs) and then the conflict between like you know like there's a there's a lot going on that i'm not gonna like unpack from a plot because we're gonna do this on our other podcast afternoon army but if i just go with like what you're visually watching as like an external plot you're basically seeing like a conflict between like the underworld but maybe like some goodness there and like man of the peopleness, and then kind of like the law enforcement world, which may have like some corruption linked to it. Would you say that mm-hmm. seems justified? Yeah, Absolutely. and so there is a lot of like he plays both roles: the police detective and like the street mobster. <laughs> and it's kind Gangster. of like a whole battle between like yeah. These two characters yeah grabbing money we've got grabbing money we've got getting like drowned in the bathtub and drowned in like a garbage can we've got chasing we get somebody (laughs) stabbed in the eye with chopsticks (laughs) yeah 
We got guns. Shit goes on. Yeah. We got Mingy doing his evil laugh thing. Yeah. Wait, did I say oh, his evil laugh? Yungi. Is good. Okay. Did I say Mingy? I don't know what I said. Yungi. You said Mingy. <laughs> I know. Okay, I was like, Yungi. wait a minute. I said Mingy. So, okay. I met Yugi. So we recommend Hagam. Hagam also is a traditional Korean instrument, and it also means kind of like releasing the ban or, you know, freeing what's been forbidden. Um, so that, if you watch that, it's just very external. It's a very fast pace and it's telling kind of like a short story. Um, oh, we, and I forget mm-hmm. there's also an amazing scene that harkens back to like the Joker where he's like in the back of the police car driving with his head out the window. Awesome. Oh yeah. Okay. Then we switch to amygdala or amygdala. Amygdala is for k-pop like it's a heavy song that is going into his personal tra- some of his personal trauma stories and he's created it's this the character internal August conflict D. Song. yes it's the inter thank you it's the internal conflict song and he has talked mm-hmm. before about how he kind of took on this personality of Augusty because as an idol Suga, he is like relegated to like what is like the idol system of like behavior and conduct and how you you know you're an idol like you can't just like let it all hang out you kind of can't like get into like the witty nitty greed <laughs> nitty greeds the gritty weeds so you know as augusty he's talked a lot about kind of like fuck the haters he's talked a lot about like living with mental illness um kind of a lot about like power dynamics just like lots of things and kind of rage focused and in a loose way he said he wasn't loosely inspired by kind of like Eminem's slim shady which i think is like easier for a western audience to kind of grasp if you're like not really in like the augusty world i was and actually also... gonna make that comparison yeah and so i was wondering he... if you like agreed with that yeah well i mean he's like on the record saying yes this is like part of what this was like looking for that kind of alter ego that was like anti-idol um, I love that. Because he's talked about how he's got, like, himself, Min Yoongi. Then he has, like, he's produced by mm-hmm. Suga, which is, like, the commercial producer who produces, like, kind of, like, hit tracks for other artists. Then he's Suga the Idol, and now Augusty is kind of, like, that, like, id with with a lot of baggage. Um, and so mm-hmm. um, this song, we hear about some of his stories about, like, this injury he endured at one point where he was, like, hit as a chicken delivery driver, Um We'll get into all of that if you listen to like Afternoon Army, but like, you know, there's a lot of references to like taking painkillers. There's lots of references to like family health issues, processing. And at one point we see him with a box cutter. So this is a trigger warning, like cutting his own face because in his alter ego music videos since 2020, like when he's presenting as that character, he has a scar. And we also see him eating almonds at one point when he's kind of like a nihilist laughing. And this harkens back to a book that they all were reading during the time he was writing this um, song that's called Almond. And it's a, uh, it was a popular book um, a few years ago. I mean, I think it's still popular. It's a young adult um, Korea, South Korean novel. And I read it at the beginning of this year and I thought it was outstanding. And it's about a character who has um, an underdeveloped amygdala and so they can't really experience things like pain and fear. And then they become good friends, first enemies, and then friends. I mean, like, they're never enemies anyway, because they can't feel feels. But they connect with another classmate who has endured a lot of trauma, was kidnapped and kind of reunited with his family later in life. 
and he kind of hates everyone and he just wants to like cause pain to other people and here's a person that can't feel pain so obviously he just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going trying to like harm this boy until he kind of breaks because he can't do it and then it's about like their relationship um it's a really great book and it's really short and it made me cry really hard at water polo when i finished reading it in the stands of my son's water polo match but um Aww. in it his mom used to give him almonds to eat because amygdalas are shaped like two little almonds in your brain and so the book is named almond because like when he was little and like his mom was still alive she would always be giving him almonds to try to like grow that part of his brain and so again like here we see like there's nothing more internal than like you trying to battle your brain in the whole song he's basically asking his amygdala to step in and like rescue him from like the trauma he's enduring <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. internal conflict to a t yeah oh it's so good look at you tying the k-pop wreck into our topic I mean, it's, it's perfect. perfect this is what i do if you enjoy our podcast you have our patrons to thank at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoon Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, Blow up your skin with K Mertrex. Find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. So what kinds of things do you both like to do when you drive? Pay attention to the road? Is this a trick question? All right, how about when you fold laundry? Why am I folding laundry in this scenario? Read, friends. I was trying to get you to say read. You could just ask us if we like to read when we drive or... Wait, how are you reading when you're driving? With Audible. You know, our sponsor, who is the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling, enriching the lives of millions of listeners every day. I listen to audiobooks on my commute to work. In the car. Oh, yeah. I totally do that. I love my Audible subscription. Then why'd you leave me hanging with the whole driving thing? Forget it. It's not important. What is important is that now our listeners can get a 30-day free trial of Audible Premium Plus from Afternoon of Delight. Do you know what they get with that free trial? Actually, I do. They get one audiobook credit, two if they are Prime members, which is good for any premium selection, and they get to keep that audiobook. They also get the whole Audible Plus catalog of podcasts like Afternoon of Delight, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible Originals. And with the Plus catalog, you can listen all you want, no credits needed. And Audible sends you a reminder email before your trial ends. Sounds like a great way to spend 30 days to me, especially if you're heading outside for a walk 
have a long commute to work, or just want to hear one of many talented narrators really bring your book to life. All you have to do is go to www.audibletrial.com slash afternoona to sign up, and you're ready to download your first listen. Enjoy! Okay, let's each pick a drama that's either external or internal and kind of break it down for listeners. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So look, I'm choosing I'm Not a Robot, and I don't care. Okay, I'm I'm like Amy with Goblin with I'm Not a Robot, but it has... I actually think it's hard to find a any type of like show or drama where it has that like like I said that like perfect kind of strong external conflict that's like keeping two characters apart and it's the entire plot. Like I love it when it's romance focused and that that was crash landing on you and that was one of the main reasons I fell in love with K-dramas. And to me that's I'm not a robot. So the plot like is the romance um and yeah you know that 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 is the story that is what that is what it's about uh these two characters falling in love so uh for those of you who don't know the premise sounds insane um but it's amazing still one of my top dramas i don't think anything will unseat it for a long time i don't know don't well you know this is recorded so you can (laughs) you can quote me on it but still (laughs) Um, so the whole thing is there is a reclusive, uh, millionaire, uh, with a touch phobia. So if he, if he is touched by anyone, he breaks out in hives and it has to do with the fact that he was betrayed when he was younger, which is, that is an internal conflict for him there. Um, but the conflict is he wants to test this very human-like, uh, AI robot, uh, but the robot breaks and so the lead scientist brings in his ex-girlfriend, who is a spitting image of this robot, and says, all I need you to do is pretend to be a robot for two hours. And she does. Uh, but uh, then uh, the, ro- the real robot is still not ready, and she has to continue to play this robot. It's very important that they get the grant or, you know, the funding money, basically, for, for this robot. But the problem is she is human. and she starts to see you know a softer side of the reclusive millionaire and he starts to fall for her he knows she's a robot but she's this like friendly robot you know she'll go into friend mode she cares about him she understands him um but the issue is she cannot reveal to him that she is not in fact a robot because his doctor said it will trigger his touch phobia and he could die because he breaks out in hives. It's like anaphylactic shock. It's, yeah, a, it's great a great conflict, conflict because she at this point is in love with him. She knows he's in love with her, basically. She knows he's conflicted. She knows he's like, oh my God, how I'm in. He's like very conflicted that he's in love with this robot. And all she wants to be able to say to him is, I am real and I care about you too. But she can't because it'll kill him. It, it is one of the best conflicts romance conflicts i just love it i love it so much i love everything about this drama um and i wish like i i want a i want a drama like that again i really do i um i want a great external plot that's romance focused like please you know 
Uh, healer is similar, right. I would say. Um, uh, that's probably another reason why I love that one so much. Because um, he can't really reveal who he is to her. Um, so, yeah, that's, but I would say I'm Not a Robot still is, is, is one of my top for a, a fantastic external romance. And obviously the internal, uh, struggles of, you know, uh, the, the hero align so well, um, with, with that external conflict. I want to rewatch that now too. I'll never be over it. Like I will never be over it. Oh, there's all right, well, I'm excited to talk about a uh, a drama that I have I know, and I cannot wait to watch yet. it. I need to do it. I Okay, good. Yeah, I wasn't sure no, if you watched it No, but I want to. Okay, look, this is not a drama, like, this is an internal conflict drama, so I'm not, like, heavily spoiling this. Um, so I'm going to talk about, actually, not a K-drama. I'm talking about a J-drama. And that is old fashioned cupcake. So this is a BL. Techni- I mean, really, it's a male male. I mean, this is like a middle aged drama, um, and it's a slow burn romance between a middle aged man and his work subordinate who is ten years younger than him in a Japanese office. And again, the name of it is Old Fashioned Cupcake, and it's on Vicky. I highly recommend this drama. So Nozu, the main character, is a single middle manager staring down forty. And he's comfortable in his work role to the point of being a little, a lot stagnant. But he's like well-liked by his team. He's a cool boss. But is he like evolving and growing as a person? No. And beyond that, does he like fail to enjoy life beyond his job? Have a middle-aged rut? Yes. He's kind of like come to this conclusion that he's past his prime He's past like finding love and he's really past trying out new things. Um, So his young colleague, Togawa, who is not a good, good, if very professional relationship with his boss. And he's quite uptight at work, but he begins to encourage his boss to try new experiences outside his comfort zone. So they begin to do things like visit dessert parlors, constantly standing out as the only male customers in shops packed by women, usually young women. They eat parfaits, they take like selfies together, and they sort of play act at being girly, really because it's the only language that they know how to use to comfortably describe what they're doing, which is being highly relational with each other. And here's a little like side rant I have, which is, I think, and I'm not the only one who thinks this, teenage girls are incredibly insightful, smart, and powerful beings. So much so that I think that they get actively diminished by our culture because hashtag Mm -hmm. patriarchy. And there's a box article that I'm going to link into the show notes that's called Who Runs the World, Not Teenage Girls. And it's very good. And it explores how teen girl interests tend to drive popular culture even as teenage girls are always derided. And so to quote from the article, to be a teenage girl is to simultaneously be pop culture's ultimate punching bag, cash cow, and gatekeeper. (laughs) I find that very interesting Mm -hmm. and resonating. So while unfortunately this drama in five episodes, this is a short drama, does not uh, deeply unpack that truth bomb, it provides kind of a 
vehicle for what um, Togawa calls his anti-aging plan for his boss, Nozu. Because Nozu is too thick-headed and seeped into denial to realize what the anti-aging plan is, which is painstakingly slow seduction. (laughs) So over these episodes of eating sweets and taking themselves outside the usual gender norms of like what two straight bros are meant to do with their time, like enough shifts internally inside Nozu that he begins to just grasp that while he loves hanging out with his new workmate, maybe he like really actually just loves his workmate. So this all climaxes in a very painful yet hot finger in the mouth <laughs> moment, which is why I got into this drama. Someone recommended yeah. it as hot finger in the mouth, hot finger in the mouth. But overall, I found it to be this really unexpectedly powerful reflection on aging as well as gender norms. And really, I think the whole drama, like the core conflict of it is the fact that who you think you really are is just a construct and you can shift that. I love that. And that is a great example. I mean, oh, that's so internal and I love it though. And I think, well, I think with short episodes like that, you can do it too. And you can do a really cool character study, you know? Um, I will say, as you were mentioning that, I did think of another one that had a really good external conflict in like the type of like romance external conflict that I like. Um, that actually is another Japanese BL called Jacko Frost. And I'm trying to get Leah to watch it because it is. Oh yeah. It is very good. It is such a cool conflict. So I'm just going to describe the beginning. So the beginning is like, it's, I think Japanese BLs sometimes are so weird. Their opening scenes are so like just sudden. It's like, there's no like lead up. So, cause I was like, am I on episode one? Like what is happening here? So it's a couple in a fight. So they've been together for a while. They're in a fight. They break up. Like that's like literally the first minute of the drama. And the one man storms out. And the next thing is uh, the the other man gets a call saying, actually, let me use their names. Hold on. Jack. Oh, I know it's Ritsu and what are their names? Hold on. Ritsu and Fumia. That's it. Okay. So... Ritsu and Fumia, excuse me if I am not saying it correctly. Like, I just barely can say Korean names. (laughs) Like, give me a break. Anyway, so Ritsu and Fumia have been together for a while. Um, The drama opens with them fighting and they break up and Ritsu storms out. And the next scene is basically Fumia gets a call and says Ritsu uh, was in an accident. He has like a head injury. So he goes to the hospital and he realizes that Ritsu does, Ritsu remembers most of his life, but he doesn't remember the last three years, which was when Fumia was in his life. So he does not remember Fumia at all. But okay. but his his <laughs> younger brother's there and his younger brother is like, you know, you, you, uh, this is your boyfriend. Like, that's who this is. You live with him. Um, or no, he, he actually, I think at the time they say like they're roommates. Um, but he knows, so he, so they all pretend that, that Fumia is just his like roommate. And so basically Ugh. the conflict is, well, the, I'm already yeah, cause I mean, the main conflict is basically that Fumia doesn't want to tell Ritsu that they were together as boyfriends because then he has to tell them, oh, we broke up. 
and the whole reason you have a head injury is because you like stormed out uh but obviously ritsu is gonna find out the truth sooner or later so it's very interesting it's a really good conflict um that's kind of like keeping them apart because it's almost like they're almost like starting over again it's very interesting it's very interesting very cool drama i loved it a lot and i highly recommend it so it's called jacko frost and that is also on vicky it's so good amazing um okay <laughs> so uh, we as we, you know we're obviously talking about this uh as separate things but uh yeah what if we said that the the best stories integrate both so, <laughs> i felt like i wanted this to be said with like a morpheus what voice from the said? matrix like what if we yeah. said the blue pill and the red pill make purple <laughs> Because, look, if there's anything you should have figured out by listening to us for, you know, if you've listened to us ever, I think that we reject, I know I do, and I know you do, I think we reject binary. I know Amy does, too. Like, you know, it's all an illusion. Yes. (laughs) And so, you know, hashtag gender is a construct, hashtag (laughs) external internal conflicts don't need to live on opposite sides of the house. And so that's why... Like the elephant of the room is that surprise, surprise. Like, yeah, really good stories. And most of the, a lot of the good stories we've touched on I know. do integrate both. Like, Mr. Sunshine has oh, great sorry. character development, but a very strong external plot. That's one reason it's a successful yeah. drama. Um, Alchemy of Souls has good character development. And I'm careful with this one because you've seen season two. I'm watching season two, and we're going to be doing mm-hmm. the next pod on that. Just looking through the lens of season one, where we begin our characters and where we end our characters, they've had a lot of growth. And I mean, like you said, we have a sad bastard. We've got like a Jon Snow mage. (laughs) That's internal conflict. And then we have like an assassin who's lost her powers and has like been traumatized by her dad's death. And it's like, I'm just need to like live for revenge and like murder, but I'm like kind of catching feelings Mm -hmm. for this bozo. That's a lot of internal stuff. But then we just have like plot point after plot point for 20 episodes. Yeah, I mean, and I would say uh, Healer is one that I think does such an excellent job at internal and external conflict because you have so many, oh my gosh, so many internal battles with those characters. Um, And, but then there's such a good plot that they're like unraveling this like crime of the past or you know who was done wrong in the past and oh my like like they're trying to figure out proper parentage of people i mean it's just like so freaking good and so yeah i mean obviously i i think you know we asked this question and it's fun to talk about the differences because i do think that there are i mean i would say most dramas sway do sway one way or the other like there's i do think very in my opinion i think there are very few that are equal i guess i would say in internal and external conflict i think i think they sway either way i think maybe but and that's why i think i gravitate towards the one that sway plot heavy but i still obviously need internal conflict right and i mean like again 
run on i really enjoyed ultimately but i did have to take an edible to enjoy it and i like internal conflict but you know like to quiet my mind down a lot um you know that can you know sometimes you really need to do that uh, well, not really need to take an <laughs> you edible, to but like, you see how like trying to binge something right, like right, that. Right, right, Um, yeah, like I would say, so, honestly, I would say like Lawless Lawyer for one, I think is one that was so plot heavy that, um, I think the internal conflict of the main character. I mean, I think that in the begin, like the beginning of the show, did a really good job, but then I think the plot just got away from it. And I still enjoyed it, but, um, and I know they like tried to tie in the romance and it just like, wasn't doing it for me. And I, and it's okay. Like I still enjoyed the, the drama, but I definitely think that was one that was, um, more plot heavy than anything. How has K-drama use of internal or external plots influenced your own writing? So I'm going to say like external plots all the way. I have written in amnesia plots. I have written in definitely external K-drama plots that I have gotten. Oh, I wrote in like, oh, I did a story with like reincarnation. I did a story where like someone has like three past lives. Like I am so inspired by kind of like any sort of K-drama, like just very dramatic kind of like wacky external conflicts. Those are my favorite. So yeah, yeah. I have been. Absolutely. All right. So... I kind of went back and forth, like, should I talk about it? And I'm just going to talk about it. And maybe this is good okay. um, that I'm going to talk about it. Because I was mentioning how, you know, I have characters that, like, sit and talk to me. And, like, we all do. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been trying to kind of frame, like, this has not been an existential crisis I've been going through with writing. But I've been trying to, like, logic out what do I like versus, like, what do I feel like I have to write? Because the one beauty of me taking a break from, like, kind of commercial fiction writing for a period of time was I know one of the things that made it not fun towards the end was I was doing things because I had to or because yeah. I felt like I needed to keep working as yeah. opposed to because I wanted to. So I've been trying to think of, like, what do I like and what might I like to do from those spaces? And so obviously what I like is pretty internal. Um but again, I don't want to do these whole books of people just like sitting in a garden drinking herbal and tea infusions, you know? <laughs> so I had an epiphany at a recent podcast. Okay. And I am curious if this is going to work for me. Okay. And um, I was doing Our Blues with Sarah. Okay. And I was, I mean, this isn't like a genius epiphany, but it was an epiphany for me. Right. And I was talking about how it's a series of vignettes that kind of like connect thematically in some ways and like they have some integration, but I was like, it really works because I feel like you can get these like little vignettes, but you're getting kind of a whole story. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's what I want to write. And I think that's what I would do well at is taking these characters and putting them into like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I think I want to do that rather than having like two leads, which is what I keep focusing on. I was like, I think I need to bring it back and try vignettes. I think you should do that. I love that idea. See what happens. So that's where I'm kind of toying at the moment now. And I've kind of come up with a construct. Um, and I also think sometimes you just got to like freaking write, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. See what, see what poops out. <laughs> well, I kind of have like where I would like to do it, how I'd like to do it. Right. And I don't know if that's the right path, but I do have a good way to start. 
Like I have oh. one story I definitely know I want to do. Okay, good. I and can't so I'm like, why don't I kick with that and then see if it holds up the idea that I'm thinking about? Please. I mean, it's so hard. I mean, I, I would say like, I have a lot of story ideas <sighs> and it's hard sometimes to like realize that I don't feel ready to write that story yet. Like there are, there are, there are story ideas I have that I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm ready. Either my skills aren't there yet or like emotionally uh, and maturity wise, I'm not there yet. You know? Yes. And that's where I'm trying to also think about. I'm not how... saying you are, but I'm just. No, no. And I, I had a writer. I'm not going to say their name because they're somewhat well known. And I was talking to them at a conference and they were saying how, you know, there's like. I don't know, love the term seasons, but I'm going to use it. Like there's seasons where you write certain things in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about how she had gone through a period where, you know, she'd been like a heavy romance writer and she hit a period where she went through like a devastating divorce. And she was like, I pivoted hard to women's fiction because mm -hmm. I didn't have love stories to tell. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but it's been a minute. And like, I've kind of been through like my decade of like finding myself and what I want. I found an amazing partner. I'm feeling very like in love and I'm going to start writing romance again. Aww. And they have, and they've yeah. done well. I, and I get that. Like, and sometimes, you know, I, I like, I, I, you know, I'm reaching a point too, where I'm like, you know, I, as much as I love writing romance and, I, and I'll always write books with a romance plot, like I am starting to have the desire to not write a, like a, like a, just a romance focus book like a straight romance and i don't mean straight as in <laughs> like yeah. sexuality i mean you know what i mean so yeah i don't i mean i don't know but i, I would say k-dramas inspire me uh like alchemy of souls was was a really really inspiring uh drama for me to watch as a writer um you know it's i know we like fangirl over um actors and actresses but we, I mean, the writers to me are, oh my God, if I could meet some of them, I would lose my mind. Like the Hong sisters would lose it. Maybe mm -hmm. even more that, more, I would, I would lose it more than meeting EJ Wook as much as I love him. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this was a fun conversation. This was a fun conversation. I liked it. Well, it felt like, you know, I always love talking about writer stuff. And so it was kind of fun to like, just really like dig in deep. You yeah. know, and I like I sometimes like it's just talking out conflicts makes me like think about my own books, too. You know? Yeah. And That's it makes me really about. motivated to do more. That's so. that too. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for watching. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have like writer focused topics that you want us to cover, by all means, let us know and we will do it. All right. Well, Anyang. Anyang. Kamsamnida! Thank you for listening to Afternoon and Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonandelight.com. That's A F T E R N O O N A D E L I G H T. 
www.kcskincare.com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, Annyeong!